This is Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast for Bethlehem Baptist Church's South Campus in Lakeville, Minnesota. Are you interested in learning more about our church? Yes. Oh, thank you. Sorry, I've taken a drink. My it's coffee. Fine. If you're interested in learning more about our church, you can go to Bethlehem.church forward slash south. Or apparently we're on Instagram now, Ethan. Oh, this podcast is. Not the audio. Not the audio. No. What is the ha- what is the Instagram handle for this podcast? Pastoring out loud. That's wow on brand. Is it just pictures of us? Yes, only just no. your face. Jeez, <laughs> oh, that's it. <laughs> I want a little more creative control over that Instagram. Um, all right, random question. Hey guys, Super Bowl was this last Sunday. Who are you rooting for and why? I was rooting for the Rams. Why? I like Los Angeles as a city. I have friends who live there. I often go there. Wrong. And, and <laughs> I wanted Matthew Stafford to get a ring after his long suffering with the ring, the the Lions. That's fine. Chris Bruno, did you hear that? I hope you heard that. And <clears throat> we're praying for you, Chris, and your long sojourning with the Lions losing love, endlessly. Love you, Chris. Dave, who were you rooting for? I was rooting for, well, I mean, I, I didn't care a lot, but. Choosy this day, which team you root for? The Packers. Mm. But I Amen. I would say. Uh, yeah, I'm there with you. Bro. We we, uh, we were rooting for the Bengals. I like. Why? Uh, Mainly because I like Joe Burrow's moxie. <laughs> that's, really, that's really what it comes down to. I you like, like his... Joe Burrow's moxie. For those that listen to this, that according to Spotify analytics are over the age of, I don't know, what is moxie? <laughs> his, uh, his competitive swagger and confidence. Competitive swagger and confidence. Yep. And his lack of ability to slide. Right, yeah. yeah it's, that's a, great. It's, a, I, it's a thing. I just, I just kind of have grown to like him. As I've kind of watched him carry himself throughout the Was playoffs. moxie a word when you were playing college basketball? I think it's more a common word than you think it is. Uh, I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. I don't, don't, I don't know don't why know. I said it. I didn't think about it very much before I used okay. it. It's moxie. All right. Well, moxieing out loud. Who are you rooting for? Oh, the Bengals. I'm a Cincinnati guy. They're my yeah. number two team. After Their the jerseys Packers. match your hair. What? <laughs> What did you say? <laughs> Their jerseys match your hair. My hair is not that bright anymore. Although once upon a time it was in a land far, far away. Yeah, Bengals. Uh, I think the only regular season NFL game that I've ever been to is a Bengals-Vikings game mm. in the 1990s that came down to a field goal. And the, the Vikings Bengals missed won. a field goal. <laughs> no, the Bengals won by, by a field goal. They didn't even have Evan McPherson. And uh, nice. they won, but I was little. I was not. I must have been elementary age, I think. Anyways, here we are. Hey, today's episode. Oh, that was the random question. We are introducing a new little segment, hopefully at the beginning of each um, podcast, where we're hoping to just address and talk about the previous week's sermon in Genesis. We're two weeks into Genesis. Dave, you've preached uh, from Genesis 1-1 through Genesis Two, three. In a sentence, what was the main point of your first sermon? Genesis 1 1 through Genesis, was it 1 25? Yep. God is very good and very great in his creation work. And then the main point of Genesis 1 26 through 2 3. God created humans to reflect his image in the world and extend his reign. Okay, so uh, we've heard a handful of things. We've certainly heard the horse analogy about uh, Grandma V. Horse. 
Mm. Um, we've mm-hmm. heard uh, Grandma uh, V Horse. Grandma V Horse, yeah. <laughs> Um, that sounds we bad. heard you put glasses on and punt all technical questions to either Bruce Power or to uh, Rick Shank. Um, is there anything in the context of the podcast that you'd want to say by way of illustration, by way of follow up, by way of clarity? Just like just Genesis 1 1 through Genesis 2 3. Here's another venue for talking about the sermon. What else would you say? Yeah, uh, I would say that the one of the cool things about Genesis being it's the first book and especially in Genesis 1 to 3 is that so many themes of the entire Bible get unpacked so you know we've talked about the covenant triangle God's people in God's place enjoying God's presence we've talked about uh, priesthood we've talked about kingship uh, we've talked about the word and the spirit creating life uh, we've talked about a lot of those things, and, and what's fun for me is I hope what people see is kind of how that connects to the rest of the Bible as we go through. I've tried to do that the first couple times, just in connecting those themes, not only in creation, but also in redemption, so that people can yeah. see that that connection, and I hope we just keep building those things. Like, you're you're preaching this coming week, weekend, and, and there's all sorts of those themes that are going to get, you know introduced and represented again. But I think that's one of the things I love about preaching is making the Bible smaller for people, making it make more sense, helping them see connections that uh, just help them understand like who God is and who he is for them more. And Genesis is just very unique in that it's right at the beginning. So <laughs> they're like all there. I was saying to Nick, uh, I said to Nick last week as I was getting ready to preach, I said I was I was sitting at a coffee shop thinking about what in the world is not related to human beings being made in the image of God. And I don't know if there's anything <laughs> that's not related to human beings being made in the image of God in some way. And so there's just so many foundational realities. And it's been encouraging to me as I get, I'm getting emails that, that people are saying, you know, I've never realized really all it meant to be made in the image of God and all it meant to uh, see God's purposes for me as a human being. So that, that that's just exciting to me, and it's yeah, been good amen. for my soul too. Yeah. yeah, we're building along the way in Genesis, like expectation and looking to see the intended, like by the author, namely God mm-hmm. and the human mm-hmm. author, the intended patterns, echoes, organization of the text um, in a way that makes sense not only of Genesis, but how the later biblical authors and, yes, God himself mm-hmm. utilizes that. All the way to Revelation. Oh, God, may oh, it be boy. in 2023. Um, Nick, is there anything that you want to say about Revelation? No. What? What? <laughs> Nothing you say about Revelation? There's a worship service a couple weeks ago that had a couple readings. Or was it this last week? It was week? this last week, yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Revelation is the bookend. Yeah. of the Bible, and uh-huh. it's the culmination of so mm. many of those themes mm. that we're seeing in Genesis. It is. There are parallels all over the place, Daniel. Yeah. What do you think about it's a preaching? Great book. What do you think about preaching through Genesis, Nick? Through Genesis? Yeah. I'm preaching. very, very for it. You are? Yeah. Okay. I think it's, it's going to be great. Okay. Oh, like, it's going to happen. That's great. So we're here today it to talk about... You said Genesis. Did I? I yeah. said... Did I? <laughs> You're tired. I am really tired. You're tired today, and you said Genesis, and totally missed your... I missed your point. I, I started with Revelation, but I switched to Genesis. It's it's all the Bible. 
We're here today to talk about the Holy Spirit. This was a requested topic um, in a listener mailbag a little while ago, and we thought we'd devote an entire episode to the Holy Spirit because we have not talked about him directly in a podcast. Uh, do you use That's because he's the shy member of the Trinity. Just kidding. What just happened? Um, <laughs> is, that a, is that an actual like saying? It's a thing that people say because, Who? I don't know, people. You've never heard that before? I've never heard that before. Have you heard that before, Dave? I have, yeah. From him? Yeah, from him. Okay. And from... No. Yeah. I, Ethan, have you heard I, I have heard it from you before. What <laughs> no. do you mean, no? Well, I mean, I don't say that. Like, I think it's... You don't anyway. say that? All you right. just did say it. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. So, the Holy Spirit is... What pronoun ought we use for the Holy Spirit, guys? Uh, he. Why? Because God reveals himself in the Bible as a he. So <laughs> if I have a friend who would say the Holy Spirit is not a person, but rather is an impersonal force, and therefore the pronoun should be it, mm-hmm. what, 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 how do you respond to that? I would say that that's heresy. Okay. Um, and why would you say it's heresy? Um, because we believe that the Trinity is God in three persons, equal in personhood, equal in deity. Um, and yet distinct persons, which means that the Holy Spirit is not the Father and is not the Son, and yet is a, a person. Well, and, and there's there's texts, yeah. right, that, that talk about him like a person, <clears throat> like he's, he's the helper. You go to John 14, he comes and makes his home in us. Yep. You could go to Acts 5 where Ananias and Sapphira, they lie to the Holy Spirit. Um, and so there's there's these texts that and it says you've not lied to man, but you've lied to, to God. To God. God. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 yeah. So so yeah. That so that's that's another text where we'd go about the deity of the Holy Spirit, but it's also a text we go to about the personhood of the Holy Spirit, uh, and just saying that the the Holy Spirit is revealed as. A re- <laughs> oh, Daniel is slap happy today. Yeah, I went as long as I could. Without doing, without breaking down, but it, it, the Bible just constantly reveals the Holy Spirit as a person, not just a a force. Yep, and like the language all over the Psalms is the Spirit is doing things, comforting, He's guiding, He's helping. You know, not just as an impersonal force, but as a, a person with agency. Where does the Holy Spirit show up for the first time in the Bible? Genesis one two. Yeah. What does it say there, Nick? The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the formless and void earth. Of the deep. Yep. Yep, that's true. Uh, and then we see the Spirit show up again and again in various places throughout the Pentateuch. So we see the Spirit show up big time when it comes time to craft the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. Um, we see the Spirit show up again in temple language all over the place when the temple is created and God's Spirit dwells in the temple. It's like the culmination of when they yep. settle, yep. and God's Spirit right. comes and yep. Yep. inhabits it. Kind of a, kind of a. Uh, I mean, the the creed says, like the Spirit comes from the Father and the Son, and I think it's appropriate to say that there is a culminating thing that when the Spirit is present, uh, you know, proceeds is, from the yep, Father. Proceeds and the from mm-hmm. uh, the Philoque clause. Um, it's a little creedal history for you. Uh, 
What's next, Daniel? Rubbing two brain cells together. Davis lost in the <laughs> <Davis>. corner. <laughs> I am uh, I'm quite tired today, everyone. Uh, so the Holy Spirit we see shows up again and again in Scripture. Does the relationship of the Spirit to God's people change in any way from Old Testament to New Testament or in the progression of the covenants? Like, what would you say is the real, like, like what is uh, the Holy Spirit's relationship to people in the Old Testament? Or how would you nuance that? Um, so I was pretty persuaded by one of my seminary professors um, in how he talked about it. And so he said that the Spirit has functioned the same way throughout redemptive history in that he comes upon people for um, regeneration. So if there was anyone in the Old Testament that had faith, that had a new heart, that was because the Holy Spirit did that. He still does that now in the New Covenant. So the same, Old Testament to New Testament. Um, The Spirit always comes upon people, has always come upon people for special acts of power or anointing for specific duties like when David talks about having the spirit and taking not the spirit away, I think that's referring to Psalm like 51. His, yeah, like his kingship, his special anointing for his place. And, you know, and I think that he does that all the time. That's still the same. He comes upon people for specific things, specific power, specific works. Um, and then the spirit has always inhabited his temple and indwelt his temple. So in the Old Testament, the spirit indwelt the temple or the tabernacle, you know, and that's still true today. The thing that's changed is that now we are the temple. So now we have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, So when you look at it that way, I think there's a lot of continuity in how the spirit has functioned. Um, The only thing that's changed is the, the place of the temple. Dave, anything you'd add or respond to there? No, I think I was pretty persuaded by the same professor that Nick's talking about. If I'm, do you want to say who it is? Sure. Well, yeah, it's Rick Shank. (laughs) Yeah. The guy who you can ask about the dinosaurs. Dr. Rick Shank, present and a member at South Campus, reporting for duty. Just talk to him on a Sunday afterwards. The only thing I'd add is that that it's, uh, it's going to keep going all the way into the new heavens and new earth. So when 1 Corinthians says we're going to have spiritual bodies, I think it's talking about these bodies that are so enlivened and empowered by the Holy Spirit in that place that it extends even that far, all the way to the new heavens and new earth. It's not like we get there and we don't need the Holy Spirit anymore. Mm-hmm. He's still dwelling in the temple, the sacred. We, and I would, I may, I would maybe say the sacred space because um, I don't, I don't know sure. what even you know. But I, I, uh, I think that it, it, there's going to be another, another place where the Spirit's going to dwell among God's people. John 14 is a really interesting text when thinking about the Holy Spirit and really the Trinity as mm-hmm. a whole, you know, the, mm-hmm. the question posed, you know, to Jesus, um, show us the Father, have I not been with you so long, Philip, and yet you do not mm-hmm. know me. I tell you that when you see me, you've seen the Father. That's really interesting for thinking about the Trinity. Then uh, here they are, separate persons, and yet there's a mutual indwelling. And then Jesus goes on begins to speak about the nature of the Holy Spirit. The helper, the Holy Spirit, this is John 14, 26, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that Mm -hmm. I have said to you. Mm -hmm. So what does the Holy Spirit do? Holy Spirit points and keeps pointing to Jesus, to the Father, 
there's a mutuality in the ministry here. So mm-hmm. we talk about um, the Trinity ad intra. It's a Latin phrase meaning like internal. Mm-hmm. Like the way that the Trinity relates to each other is one of total equality, n- no subordination, nothing that's uh, out of place, although they are distinct persons. But when you talk about the Trinity ad extra, which is again a Latin phrase meaning outside of the Trinity, there are different things that this, the Trinity each of the members of the Trinity do in relation to the creation. So the spirit is the helper, the pointer, the comforter, and all these different ways. And to speak a little bit about what Nick and Dave just said in regards to maybe some ways that the relationship of the spirit has changed with his people and to talk about that temple language. Um, so there's a uh, God's indwelling presence mm-hmm. is in the the uh, New American um New Testament studies series, I think it put out by, I think the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, maybe it's just generally Southern Baptist. There's a, that book is written by Dr. Jim Hamilton and it argues for, uh, from scripture for what Dave and Nick, and this would just be a linchpin text, uh, that I would, I would put on this, go back 10 verses. This John 14, 16, I will ask the father, he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you mm-hmm. right. and will be in you. Right, exactly. So there's a movement there's that in the covenants of God's redemptive plan from God's temple is dwelling, like God's spirit dwells um, with man in Eden, mm-hmm. with man in tabernacle, mm-hmm. with man in temple, mm-hmm. in man right. as temple. Yep. Mm-hmm. In the new covenant. Yep. Um, and that progression, I think, is yeah. uh, is what we would all ascribe to here um, yeah. around this table. Is there are doctrines concerning the Holy Spirit today that you would say are like dangerous. And so not just wrong. Like there are, there are other Christians that we would disagree with in terms of different things about the Holy Spirit. Like, so I'm not a cessationist, for instance. I do not believe that the miraculous gifts have ceased. But somebody who is a cessationist, I would look at it and say, brother in Christ, sister in Christ, believer, not a heretical position or anything like that. Are there things that are popular about in, in regards to the doctrine of the Holy Spirit that you would say is more dangerous, potentially, or maybe even heretical, like this is outside the bounds of orthodoxy when we talk about the Holy Spirit? Anything come to mind? Yeah, I think that there's, uh, uh, again, I, I mean, there's all sorts of different categories you can talk in, but I would say along some of the Pentecost, Pentecostalist veins, I do think the doctrine of kind of salvation being marked by a, a second filling of the Holy Spirit, that kind of that kind of language, I, th- I think that is uh, pretty close to heretical because it's dealing with the doctrine of salvation. And it's uh, and it's really delineating, delineating that by this experiential reality. So I think that's that's pretty dangerous, um, dangerous doctrinally, and dangerous just for how we think about life and our brothers and sisters in Christ as well. There's all sorts of practical implications to it. And then, go ahead, you can go ahead. Yeah, no, yeah. I just say like you know what you're saying is like that a necessary mark of faith in Jesus Christ is 
you are now speaking in other tongues, right. taking what happened in Acts 2 and later in Acts 10 with Cornelius as the pattern yep. at all times for Christians, especially in... Acts uh, 8, yeah. Yeah, or Acts 8, sorry. Yep. Especially in terms of like a post... Uh, Azusa USA, you have to you know, yep. Google it. You know, you can have fun, but but a a thought um, towards hey, we've, we're at the end of the ages. Therefore, who's surprised that all these things have cropped up since the early twentieth, late nineteenth century? And part of this is um, you know salvation being marked by this. It's interesting that some of these things run together, so you get mm-hmm. uh, kind of the oneness Pentecostal movement, yeah. which is. Uh, you know, anti-Trinitarian, Correct. you know, and set, and in addition to what you just said about yep. that would say things like you must be baptized full water immersion um, in order to be saved as the expression of your faith. And only in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And only in the name of Jesus that is yep. uh, not in a Trinitarian formula and that that's got to be. Um, we, I would just say like that is outside the bounds of orthodoxy yeah. and is, is heretical. Um, I think some things in regards to what's called the new apostolic reformation that has some uh, big proponents on the West coast and from overseas, Oceania, like Australia, other things like that, other places like that, just uh, tend towards dangerous because of the way that they view um, the nature of the Holy spirit in contradiction to scripture. They like um, Mm -hmm. that the kind of thing that, and kind of teaching, they would say, well, you can't put God in a box, right. right? So God can do whatever he wants. Well, okay, I agree with that. But God has also told us yeah. what he's like. He also wrote the Bible. Yeah, he also wrote the Bible. He's told us. So things like, uh, I mean, probably have many texts here, but like, okay, well, uh, how does the Holy Spirit influence an assembly of believers um, when they come together and there's tongues that are being spoken or other miraculous things? Well, Paul actually says what we should do. Mm-hmm. In First Corinthians fourteen, mm-hmm. and there's a lot mm-hmm. of different places that would just ignore what Paul says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, you got other texts, other things in mind, or other just other yeah. things about like what is where are their dangerous teachings or heretical teachings in regards to the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I'd add any other heretical ones out there. I'm sure that there are some that I don't know about. I was just going to say though, to your point, you know, First First Thessalonians five, nineteen to. Uh, really 21 or 22, says, Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, and abstain from every form of evil. And I, I think the testing there in light of the rest of the book of First Thessalonians and the rest of Scripture would be uh, test with the Word of God, test it the wisdom of a multitude of counselors, test um, so that if the Holy Spirit who wrote the Bible is telling you in your subjective senses to do something different than what the Bible holds forth, either God is not consistent or we're doing something wrong and dangerous. And my guess is the second thing is happening, not the first thing. So that's what I'd want to hold forth as... uh, Pretty safe guess. Yeah, pretty safe guess. We're we're continuationists here, so I don't want to despise prophecies. I don't want to despise the miraculous gifts of healings that God can do. I, d- I don't want to do that. We we gather as elders and anoint people with oil and pray for them. And we said an abide night where we gathered in uh, time for time of worship and prayer, and we, we prayed for people uh, boldly for healing, and we believe God can do that. But I don't want to do anything 
in contrary to the scripture, because I think the same Holy Spirit wrote that, <laughs> that is going to do these things. And so, uh, that, yeah, I, that's what I would say. I, I, I agree with you that it, it is an untethering from the Bible as our foundational place of knowing God and a, and a tethering to our own subjective whims. I really think that's what it is. That's good. Anything else you'd add here, Nick or Dave, anything else about the topic of the Holy Spirit? We love the Holy Spirit uh, and want to pursue... Because we love God. Yes. <laughs> yep. Um, I mean, what I meant at the beginning by he's the shy member of the Trinity is that often it's said that his add extra role is to glorify not himself, but Jesus in the Father. Um, and while that's true in a sense, um, I don't like saying that he's the shy member because he actually, he is God too. And his work is so vital to the Christian experience that really we can't do anything apart from the, the person and work of the Holy Spirit within us. Um, so he's important and it's good that we're talking about the role of the Holy Spirit because we are incredibly, uh, totally dependent on his power within us for Christian life and ministry. Yeah. Amen. Guys, thanks for joining me today. <laughs>